This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's so good to be here. And uh, we're going to speak together on, on a subject, the subject of faith this morning. And I uh, really want to uh, not just inspire you, but lift you up, encourage you to believe for that which you've only maybe thought was a dream or an imagination or curry or whatever it was. But you thought there's something out there that maybe God has spoken to me about or, or maybe God you know, is prompting me to do something about that thing. And yet, at the same time, our humanity kicks in, doesn't it? And we feel like oh, maybe, that, maybe that wasn't a God thing. And I want to just suggest that maybe it was a God thing. And uh, today, let's err on the side of faith rather than on erring on the side of caution. Uh, some people might say that. They say, oh, it's wisdom, which often can be a disguise for a lack of faith, I think. But um, let's not go there just this morning. But we're going to turn to Philemon, and there's only one chapter, so I'm not going to preach for too long. If we go past three o'clock, then I've said, Matt, you can stop me. So you're guaranteed to be home by half past three today. Is that all right? Good. Philemon, and uh, one chapter, so we're going to go verse 10, and then uh, we're going to pray together and believe that God's going to do something good in the few minutes that we've got. So from uh, verse 10, it says, this is Paul speaking his letter to, to Philemon. He says, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. We'll call him Onesie. Is that right? few religious spirits just whoa. onesie i appeal to you for my son onesie who became my son while i was in chains in prison formerly he was useless to you right let's just this is probably onesimus is carrying this letter to philemon right now i'm just imagining him just having a sneaky peek of man what's paul gonna write to these guys i'm gonna have a look formerly he was useless to you Thanks, Paul. This is like, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. Oh, thanks, Paul. I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. Verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him, onesie, as you would welcome me, Paul. If he's done any uh, done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me, charge it back to my account. I'm going to pay it all. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I'll pay it back (coughs) in brackets, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Don't mention it, except that he writes it. Very good. I like that. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, hint, hint, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Oh, one more thing, verse 22. One more thing. It's almost said to this church that's meeting in Philemon and in this house, it said, listen, I'm sending onesie to you, onesimus to you. He's my son in the faith. Everything that I would say, he would say, he my, represents my heart, my DNA, my culture. I want you to accept him as you'd accept me. And he's going to speak to you everything that I would speak to you about. I want you to accept him. So in a sense, you're going to be as pleased with him coming as you would 
with me coming. This is Paul writing. But then he writes right at the end there. He says, oh, just one more thing before you go, before any hint of disappointment, before you go and welcome him. Just one more thing. In doing that, in, rep, in uh, expecting God to move on my behalf through Onesimus, I want you to do this one thing also. I want you to prepare the guest room for me. Because I'm hoping, verse 22, to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. It's almost like sets them up for the preparation of Onesimus saying, I, Paul, I'm in prison, I'm in chains, I'm nearing the end of my life, I'm not going to be coming back to you. So I'm sending Onesimus, but just one more thing, let's prepare that guest room. Let's get it ready. Let's make a physical space in case I'm able to get back to you just as you've been praying. I hope to be restored to you in full answer to your prayers. So let's do something physical to represent our faith that we're believing that I'm going to be coming out of this prison. Prepare the guest room so I can be restored back to you. The title of the message this morning is Preparing the Guest Room. Preparing the guest room. We're going to pray and then we're going to get into this. God, we just thank you for this great church, Life Church Lancashire. God, we thank you that you've caused this church and every person, not just a a team or a pastors, you've called this church, every person in this room and many people who can't make it on this Sunday but call this place their home. You've caused every one of those people to make a difference across Lancashire to be life in Lancashire, wherever there's darkness, wherever there's death, wherever there's pain, you've caused us, your church, to be life, to represent life in our workplaces all across this great region. And we pray, God, today we would walk out of this building more encouraged than we walked in. We'd walk out of this place, God, with more life than when we walked in, simply because we've seen you, Jesus. And so we pray God, would you reveal yourself to us that we can be different, we can think differently, and out of that we can act differently. Jesus, we we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we're able to test and approve what your good and perfect plan and will is for our life. And so speak to us. We open up our heart. We open up our mind. We're ready for you just to come and whisper or shout, whichever you need to do to get our attention. We open ourselves up in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everyone with some faith said, amen. Amen. Well, as Matt said, I've got two children, one wife, you'll be happy to know. Two children, Jasmine is five and Zach is two and a half. One more on the way in April. We're just going for a football team. Figure that's the best way for church growth. And um, so... We're just going to do that. So uh, our new baby, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl just yet. And, uh, but on April the 28th, we'll have three children. And uh, our house has not quite got enough bedrooms. And so we've been on the process as it's been getting so nearer and closer. We've been on this process of trying to get planning permission through so that we would right now be halfway through building, literally building another room for our newborn baby. And uh, as you can imagine, often things don't go according to plan. And so 
Just a couple of weeks ago, we had our planning permission knocked back, and so we've not been able to start the build. And so now with eight weeks to go, there's a slight panic, not here, but just somewhere else in our house. I'm not going to say where, but we're going to have more children than rooms in our house. And so we've got a slight issue, but the reality is that whenever, you know, children are on the way, I reckon that the nine months period of just getting the baby ready isn't, it's not for my wife. She's ready. It's not for the child. The child doesn't need nine months, I don't think. I think the only person in this whole family that needs nine months to get their head round what is about to happen looks me in the mirror every single morning. I reckon that nine months of pregnancy is for every guy, every male to get used to what's about to hit them. Can I just get some witnesses in the room from all the dads? As you see random items that you've never seen before appearing in your house, like bottles and you think, man, why do we need like 79 milk bottles in our house? And uh, you see these nappies piling up and just there's more stuff that goes with these little tiny humans than you can ever imagine possible. And uh, prams and it's just ridiculous, the amount of stuff. Like, do we really need all this stuff? And yet, these nine months that goes past, just about by the end of the nine months, you're just about getting your head around what is about to happen. It's all this physical preparation for this expectation that we've been expecting this baby to come into our world. And so there's a physical preparation that's not just getting your head around it or getting your heart around it, but also it's making a physical preparation. In our case, we're literally trying to prepare a new room for this new baby. And uh, faith is a little bit like that. I think faith is not just about our heart and our head, but it's about our physical world. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 in the King James Version says, Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. It's evidence of some destination or some thing, some tangible or otherwise thing that you believe is going to happen, and so you make a physical change to demonstrate that which you're expecting. In expecting a baby, there's a physical change to our world. And I think with faith, with a destination in mind or some object of faith that's not just tangible but could be spiritual, emotional, could be any part of your life, but you're believing God for something, there's got to be a physical change to demonstrate that. So my question this morning is, what is the physical, physicality of your world showing that you are expecting in your life? Because every single one of us is expecting something, whether it's good or bad. We're all expecting something. And your physical world, I would suggest, would actually demonstrate to us that which we're expecting. Looking at my own life and I look around and see what physical uh, changes are happening to my world. They're actually representing something that I'm believing God for. And we've not just got to have a faith that's ethereal and it's like a, a plaque on a wall or, or just something that we say in, in the prayer meeting or something we say when we uh, meet a Christian brother or sister. But faith should be, have a physical outworking. 
There should be an evidence attached to that which you're believing for in the future. And Paul sat in his prison cell. His, all that's around him is limitation. He's locked up in chains with, with nowhere to go, left or right, in front or behind. All he can do is sit and wonder. And yet, rather than choosing just to look at his limitations, he sees a brighter future. There may be many limitations around your life right now, but are you just going to look at your prison cell? Or are you going to see beyond the prison cell? Rather than looking at, would you look to? Would you see something bigger than the limitations that you're currently living in? Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Paul's in his prison cell and he says, You know what? My limitation says I'm never going to see you again. My prison cell says that I'm never coming out. All I'm going to do is die in this place. And yet, I'm making a declaration of a different day. And I'm going to get you to do something in the physical realm that represents what you're believing God for. I've heard you praying. I've heard about you praying night and day for my release, and I thank you for that. But don't just pray it in a prayer meeting. Do something physical about it. And so he says, would you go and prepare a guest room? Because I hope and I'm believing that one day I'm going to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. That your faith is not just going to be a statement, it's going to be a reality that we live in. And so would you go and prepare that guest room, prepare the physical world for my release. Right now every single one of us is thinking about things that maybe God has spoken to us about. Or maybe we're believing God for in the future. And yet maybe the challenge today is what are you doing in your physical world that represents what you're believing Him to do? Where's the evidence of things not yet seen? Where's the guest room that Paul is building that says, I'm coming out of this limitation. I'm coming out of these chains. Paul had this simple faith that said, do you know what? If we pray it, then one day we're going to praise it. If one day we're going to believe for it, one day we're going to see it. If one day we say it, one day we're going to be living in it. And so Paul makes that statement, prepare the guest room because... Your prayers aren't empty. When you pray to God, it's not just something that makes us feel better. You're actually having an interaction with your heavenly Father who wants to bring good gifts to his children. And he wants to answer your prayer. So when you pray, pray with expectation. Pray with anticipation. Pray like you actually believe you're going to receive what you're asking for. And so now our prayers don't become this desperate plea of, oh, maybe one day, what if, and only, oh, just really praying this so I feel a little bit better by the end of the prayer meeting. goes from that to saying, God, I believe you are my Father. I, as a child of God, am asking for this gift. In your timing, God, would you release it? I believe you want good things for your children. And so with confidence, I approach the throne of grace, understanding that you have good gifts stored up. You have new mercies stored up for me every morning, and I want to step into that. And so I believe that what I'm praying for right now, I will receive in Jesus' name. Paul says, that's the kind of prayer I believe you're praying. 
And so let's actually prepare a physical realm that represents that. In everything that we do in church life, we're always trying to encourage all our teams and all the people in the life of the church, don't just set up ready for what we've got right now. Set up for our future. Let's set up as if we've got you know, a, a church that's reaching out into every strata of society in business, education, entertainment and sport, in family and healthcare, in politics, in media, in spirituality, that we are being the head and not the tail in every one of those seven areas of the city. Let's believe that we are that church right now. and Let's make programs and imagine things we can be doing as if we're already doing that right now. Let's not just exist in our current reality. If Paul had just existed in his current reality, he would have just sat in that prison cell and rotted to his death. But he said, I'm going to be out of here. You've been praying, and so you're going to receive. And so prepare that guest room. What is it that you've been praying for? What is it that you've been asking God? What is it that you've been saying, God, I'm a child of yours. I believe that you will have good gifts for me. What is it right now that you could say, I've got faith for this? Maybe God's challenge this morning is to go and do something in the physical realm that represents your, your receiving of that gift. For Paul, it was preparing a guest room, a space where he was going to go and live in, a space he was going to go and stay wherever he would go to that place. Maybe if we were all just to step out and to prepare a guest room, prepare a physical space that represents what we're believing for, maybe we would actually fill that room. 2 Kings chapter 7, I think it is, is four lepers. And they've left the city that they've, been, uh, they've come from because it's in, uh, in famine and, and they're trying to escape. And th- these guys are sick. They're on the outskirts of their city. They're a little bit in the, wet, in the middle of one place that they've come from and another place I don't know whether they should go to. And they find themselves a little bit in the middle of nowhere but with a decision to make. If they look back at the city they've come from, it's in famine. And if they go back, they're going to die. They make the decision that if we stay here, we're, we're lepers. It's not going to be long before we're literally rotting away. Our flesh is rotting away. And if we stay here, we're going to die. If we advance, the enemy could be there. There's a chance we could die. But there is a chance in advancing that we might just live. I don't know about you. It kind of reminds me of uh, like a family do. You know, those not your immediate family, but those family of family. Someone's dog is getting christened. And you feel like, should I really, do I really need to go to that event? You know, that guinea pig is getting baptized. Brilliant. And you think, ah, oh, you know, you kind of, you ask your wife, you know, maybe you should go and I should stay here and she's going to kill you if that happens. So maybe we should just both stay here and you know, your, your, your mum your dad, they're going to kill you. If we go to our guinea pig's baptism, then, you know, we're probably going to die. It's going to be the most boring day of our lives, but we might just scrape through. We might just make it. These four lepers are in that scenario. Stay here, we're going to die. We go back to where we've come from, we're going to die. If we try and step out, do something new, try and advance, then maybe we'll die. But maybe.
maybe there's a chance, a slim chance, we might actually just make it. Think about your life. If you stay where you are, it's a matter of time, a clicking, a ticking of the top of the clock that goes past, and you're going to die in the same space. You look back to your past, however good it's been, there's nothing in your past that's going to propel you forward. Your past may have been terrible. It might have been amazing. But the past is the past. You've got no choice in going back. We have to step forward. Yes, we might die. We might get disappointed. We may be disillusioned. We may just, something might not come off. But maybe there's a chance we might actually live in our future. Maybe there's a chance if we dare to step out in faith, we could see this thing come to pass. Oh, we might look a little bit stupid setting up a guest room and Paul's in prison. Everybody's looking at us, the church, and going, what are you doing? This guy Paul's at the end of his life. He's in there for life. You you know, he's never coming out of that cell. What are you doing preparing a guest room? We might look a little bit stupid preparing our physical world for what God wants to do. But maybe, just maybe, those prison cells are going to be unlocked. And the answer to your prayers is going to be released. And whatever you've been believing God for is going to be released to you. And in your guest room, in your physical space, you're going to see the answer to your prayers. Maybe, maybe there's a chance that we could live. Maybe there's a chance that we could be a church that reaches out across this region. Maybe we could be a church that brings life to the deepest, darkest places in this area, in this town, in this region. Maybe we could be a church that makes that kind of a difference in this region. Maybe we could be. We've got a choice. Either we stay where we are, we'll die. We look back to our past and we'll die. Or we'll advance and maybe we'll just about make it. There's only one real choice. The choice is to believe. Paul had that choice. And his only choice left was, I'm going to believe. He had a a revelation. He had an understanding. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. That says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Do we have a a Christianity? Do we have a faith that says, I'm actually going to believe that? I'm going to believe that if I would humble myself and I would pray and I would seek the face of God, then, then maybe He would come into my world and heal my world, heal my land, heal my territory. Maybe God is able to answer His prayers. Your only choice is to advance, is to step forward. Matthew 17, verse 20, faith as small as a mustard seed. If you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move. And it will move. We were put on the face of the planet to carry the authority of God. To be a child of God. To step out, not in weakness, in shyness, in timidity. But we were called to stand up. 
to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to say, okay, I see your kingdom, I see your culture, I see the way you would do things, I see your mentality, I see the way God operates, and so I'm your ambassador on this planet. I'm going to represent that culture, I'm going to represent that kingdom, I'm going to represent that way of doing life, and I'm going to be your ambassador on the face of the planet. You are called to live with that kind of authority that says, I've been put on the planet to show people what the kingdom of God looks like. They can look at my life and understand God a lot clearer because they see the way I operate in life. They see the way I live my life. They see the way I speak about my life. They see the way I operate with other people and they see something about God. Do people see God through your physical world? Do they see him in your expectation and what you're believing for? Is there something tangible that they say, well, that looks like evidence of something that I've not even seen yet. Evidence of things not yet seen. Maybe it's not just evidence for us. Maybe it's evidence for the people that don't even know Jesus yet. That they would look at your life and say, I've heard you talk about it. I've never seen that in your world, but... That shows me you actually really believe what you're praying for and what you're telling me. They see a guest room prepared that's a physical example of the expectation that you carry. Paul's saying prepare that guest room. 2 Kings chapter uh, 4 verse 8 and 10. Just turn there with me if you could. 2 Kings Chapter 4 and verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunem. Shunem's a nowhere place, an insignificant place, much like anywhere? Nowhere around here. Let's just say Manchester for now. And a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, whenever Elisha just happened to be walking through from Blackburn to Burnley stopped off in Manchester. Whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know this man who often comes by as a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he's going to stay whenever he comes by. This woman literally setting up the first ever travel lodge. This barren woman from Shunem living with her husband, desperate for children. And nothing to show for it. What are they going to do? Are they going to stay where they are in their disappointment, in their hurt, in their pain, in their disillusionment? Are they just going to stay in that place and die? Or are they going to do something that represents, we're believing God to come into our house? And so she says, I've seen this man called Elisha. I don't know if you've heard about him. I don't know what her husband was called, but let's call him Fred for now. She says, Fred, have you heard about this man called Elisha? She says, no, I've not heard too much about him. She says, this man Elisha is the one that came after Elijah. He hung out with Elijah and apparently he's carrying a double portion. He's been healing people in Burnley. He's been healing people in Blackburn. We've not seen anything yet in Manchester. Why don't we? Because 
We know he comes this way so often. He's on his way from Burnley to Blackburn, Blackburn to Burnley, doing all these miracle crusades, speaking at churches. He's in all these significant towns, but he's never in our little sleepy village with just this travel lodge and a little chef, maybe if we're lucky. He's never here. Why don't we just create a room that says you're going to have to stop in our room. We're going to make it so awkward for him to have to turn down an invite. And so she sees Elisha come past and on this day, oh, Elisha, you're not walking from Burnley to Blackburn. Elisha, today you're stopping in my house. You're stopping in Manchester. We want to see a miracle, not just over there. And we don't just want to see miracles over there. We want miracles right here. And so she says, today, Elisha, you're coming to me and my husband's house. We've set up a room and you're going to stay in my house. I've been believing God. We don't have children. We're barren and we've been believing God. But rather than just stay here and die, we said we're going to create a room. It's a physical representation of our faith. You could say it's evidence of things not yet seen. Because one day, this guest room for you, Elisha, one day it's going to be the crash for the baby. And so they create this physical room and say, Elisha, today, you're not just walking past us. You're staying here. Elisha, come and have dinner with us. Or would you come, man of God, and pray for us, stand with us, believe for breakthrough. Because we've been believing for so long and yet seen nothing, but one touch from God can change anything. And so the Shunammite woman creates a physical representation of everything that she's believing for. Much like Paul who's saying, prepare that guest room. The Shunammite woman was saying, I've prepared a guest room because one day, That space is going to be filled. What's the physical space you need to create? There's just evidence of things not yet seen. People might look at it and go, why have you created that room? Looking at the Shunammite woman going off to Ikea and saying, what is she doing? She doesn't need this furniture. They're barren. Her husband's old. They're way beyond childbearing age. That's ridiculous. 2 Samuel chapter 6, David walks into the sea dancing before the Lord. And Michael, any Michaels in the room? No, Michael's a woman in this case. Looking down and saw David dancing, she said, look at him. He looks absolutely vulgar. He looks absolutely ridiculous. Faith that causes you to act like that. What a stupid faith. Yet David says, if you think this is ridiculous, you should see what I do in my quiet times when I'm at home. I'll be even more undignified than this. You see, your faith always causes you to do something ridiculous. Your faith should cause you to do something that other people might look at and go, what are you doing? You don't need to do that. You've not got that coming into your world. What are you preparing a guest room for? Yet other people would look at you and go, there's something about that. There's evidence of something they've only been talking and believing and been praying for. But now we can see they're believing God for something in their world. James chapter 2 verse 17 says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith, if not accompanied by action, 
is pointless. There has to be some kind of physical aspect to our faith. There has to be something that others would look at and go, there's something different about that. Why have you done that? Why have you acted like that? Why do you act like that? Why do you act with integrity when everything says you shouldn't? Why? What's this physical change in your world that I can see that represents something unseen? Paul was saying, come on, guys. Let's not just pray about it. Let's not just believe it. Let's do something about it. Ben, you can come and join me. The Shunammite woman was saying, husband, let's not just pray about it. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not die here in our situation, our prison, our circumstance. Let's actually do something about this. Let's call the power of God into our life through our expectation, through creating physical space in our week for God to come and inhabit, for God to come and visit. God, we're creating space for you in our life. Come and move and come and make a difference. Think about Acts in Acts chapter 1 and the church, the early church, and, and Jesus had told them, go and wait in Jerusalem and there's going to be a room. You're going to find an empty room. It's been ready for you. This empty room represented so much of possibility. It was pregnant with power, this empty space. 500 people, over 500 people, the Bible tells us, actually saw Jesus face to face after the resurrection. Looked him in the eyeballs as Jesus was said to them, Hey, would you go to Jerusalem and go and wait there? Because something's come. You don't want to miss this. I'm telling you right now, go. 380 people or more than looked at Jesus in the eyeballs. Said, I hear what you say, but now a few things have come up. I don't believe that. Whatever reason, something got in the way of them getting to that room. The Bible says only 120 were in that upper room, in a prayer meeting, believing God. They found this empty space. But this empty space wasn't going to be empty for too long. Paul's guest room wasn't going to be empty for too long. The Shunammites woman's creche wasn't going to be empty for too long. The room that we create for God in the physical, the evidence of things not yet seen, is a physical space so pregnant with possibility. God gets drawn to it, magnetized to it. It just represents a, a person that says, I believe that if I pray, then God, you're able to answer my prayer. God, if I apply my faith, you're able to come and meet that. You're able to come and do something. The physical space that you're going to create might look empty for a while. might look ridiculous for a while. But it's going to be pregnant with possibility. Truth is, whenever you're pregnant, there's an expectation for a physical baby. And everything that... God speaks, it's almost like we're impregnated with with something, a dream, a word, a passion. Whatever you expect, it's a matter of time before that is released into your world. 
Whatever you expect, it's a matter of time before that is birthed physically. I want to encourage you today to walk out of this place, not just with a faith that stays in your heart or is found when you sing or when you lift your hands and it's stirred like just some other feeling, like when you watch X Factor or The Voice and something emotional happens. It's not just an emotional response. But your faith has a tangible difference in your world. It has a physical difference in our world that it causes us to do something different, act different, speak different. <coughs> this week you'd say, okay, I've, I've been believing for so long and yet actually the proof of my belief is in preparing this room. What does a room represent for you? What's a physical change you need to make in your world. It may be that you just need to change your diary. For you, that might be creating a guest room. Decluttering your diary of some things that you've just put in there and you realize they're not actually fruitful things. It might be that you need to create a space for relationship building. and You kind of always lived isolated, maybe for a genuine hurt, Something genuinely happened to you that's caused you to push people out, keep people out. Maybe this week, for you creating space, a physical space, could be going to a life group for the very first time. So I'm going to reach out in relationships. Yeah, I might get let down. I might get hurt. What if that happens again? But maybe there's a chance this could push you into a new place you've never been before. Maybe this could be the start of a breakthrough in your world. Physical guest room doesn't just have to be a physical room. It could be anything that you're thinking of right now. But every single one of us, God, I believe, challenges us. Not just with heart change and with mind change, but as a result of that with Behavioral with life change, with actual change, with action change. God, this week wants you to do something different. Maybe it's in the next seven days you've got to make that challenge to yourself. If I leave this beyond seven days, probably I'm never going to do anything. I'm going to have heard a great message. I might even listen to the podcast, but without actually doing something. Maybe it's just another message we've heard. Let's be a church that says we're going to do something different. We're going to have an expectation that is evidence to other people of our relationship with God. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? Discover more about us at lifelinks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.